Welcome to Food and Loathing 2023, which will, of course, in the spirit of Spinal Tap, be one louder than Food and Loathing 2022. I'm your host, Al Mancini, coming to you from the home of my co-host this week, Chef Rick Moonen. How the hell are you, Chef? Al, I'm fantastic. It's been a tiring uh, holiday season. Been traveling a bit. You know, what happens is we have in-laws that stayed with us, and then uh, their flights were canceled because they had them on Southwest. And so um, they were here. So they were, they were supposed to fly out on Monday, and the next available flight was Thursday. So we took a trip out to Tonopah. <laughs> just discovering the, the history of, uh, you know, Nevada. It was really, really interesting, you know. And here we are in Tonopah at the Mitzpah, right? It's, a, it's the hotel. It's the main hotel. And right behind it are all these mines that you can still explore from all of the, the gold rush, the silver rush, and everything that was going on in the early 1900s. But uh, right across the street is a place, TLC, Tonopah Liquor Company, right? We're like, it's the only place in town. What are we going to do? We walk across. <laughs> we go in expecting nothing. Zero. The dogs were allowed in as long as they're on a leash. And there was a huge display of incredible whiskeys and brown liquors all over the place. And this guy was a wealth of knowledge. It was the oldest, the second oldest um, uh, bar open in Nevada. In, in, historically, which was just incredible find, you know, wow. and, and you know, we we just had we met this guy, old Sam. He introduced us to this thing, old Sam, local guy, next town over in Goldfield, right? He's 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 doing all of this, um, you know, distilling and stuff. And the guy talked my my mother in law into having a uh, a gin uh, mule, gin mule, but it's a spice gin. This guy makes this spice gin called Old Sam. Tremendous. He makes it himself. Yes. Nice. The following nice. day, we go to find this guy. He's in a trailer, sitting outside on on folding chairs. And I go up to him like, oh, "We're looking for Old Sam," and he's like, uh, "Who's asking?" Kind of thing. <laughs> went into this tiny little. I mean, it was tremendous. And we bought some bottles from him, and that was a ton of fun. Cool. You know. Well, before we get to your other restaurants, mm-hmm. let's get through re- reminding people that um, Rich Johnson's not with us today. No, so he's we not. So we got to say a quick, um, quick hey to Rick. Um, <laughs> so yeah, by the way, anybody, if you're just tuning in, Rich is not here with us. He will be assembling this entire episode behind the scenes. He's got a cool new gig as VP of news content for USA Media Group. So I can only assume he's working on something important right now, like trying to figure out who the new Speaker of the House is or some shit. <laughs> <laughs> and since I'm relatively certain neither Rick nor I have the votes needed for the Speaker of the House job, we're on our own for today. Uh, so that means we'll get into some kind of trouble so anyway i just wanted to let people know that rich is not here no we want to send um but if you if you're hearing this and it sounds good it is because rich made it sound good because i'm gonna fuck it up (laughs) on my end Um, but we do have a great show including a welcome back interview from a former las vegas journalist whose um, decision to leave our fair city in a very public and somewhat acrimonious way prompted a rather public feud with me Yours truly. But Corey Levitan is covering Las Vegas once again from afar this time. And I'm going to chat with him about his um, renewed love for our city as we bury the hatchet, not in each other's backs. Uh, He's not really a food reporter, but he is a great journalist, and it's great to have him back. So that conversation is coming up. It should be fun. But now, as we're talking, you told us about Tonopah. Where else have you been eating, Rick? Well, in town. Let's get through. Yeah, have you done anything in town? Going backwards, yeah. um, uh, We went to... We sort of celebrated New Year's Eve two nights earlier at uh, Partage. Been a uh, long, love Partage. long time. I used to work out right across the street from Eat, and we met the the owners and the you know the chef and everybody, the French guys, my friends, you know. And um, when they moved out to uh, Partage, haven't been there in years, and a lot of things have changed. But man, is it's just such a elegant experience, you know. I was surprised to see um, that I was. One of the few non-Asian uh, diners, you know, that it's really well supported by uh, the local area, which right. is just—it's incredible. And they guys just continue to uh, to, to uh, thrive. I think you know, Partage for people who aren't familiar, because mm-hmm. I, I do think we should talk about this restaurant and sure, how sure. good it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, Partage is located in Chinatown on Spring Mountain Road, but really in the heart of Chinatown, in that gigantic fucking complex where. Uh, Mas Por Favor is in there. The Golden Tiki's in there. Yeah. Half Bird by Brian Howard's in there. Um, just about everything, you know, Lee's sandwich may be in there. I'm not sure. That area's um, just exploded. So that it's thing. it's that big thing. They're on the actually the closest to the strip end mm-hmm. of that, right off of Spring Mountain Road. They've been open for a few years, but the thing that I've always told people, and sometimes I get a little bit of a cross eye, you know, stink eye if I say this, but mm-hmm. you tell me, Rick, if you think I'm exaggerating when I say this. 
Partage to me is a restaurant that really deserves to be at least mentioned in the same conversation as the Robichons and the Guy Savoies of the world. Absolutely. It's certainly not quite at that level, and I'm not claiming it is, but it deserves to be discussed because it is in the same category as them and probably 50% cheaper. I oh. mean, easily 60% less expensive. Well, let's, I mean, let's say 50. It's not yeah. an inexpensive experience. I want people to have the correct right. expectations. Right. But these are guys that are overqualified to be off strip by far. Yeah. I mean, they both had worked in Michelin star restaurants in, in, in France. They moved here with a dream and a couple of bucks. They opened up Eat. They were serving food that was way over anything that was in the area by yeah. far. You know, and it was lighter and it was delicious. And they easily accommodated people's like, uh, my wife is gluten free. No problem. Problem. They sent us up with, with desserts that were gluten-free. It was amazing, hand and foot. And then they opened up Partage, a larger, more formalized version, because people were asking for that. They were mm-hmm. eating, you're eating duck breast at Eat, and you're like, why is this not? This could easily be on a plate in Robichon. Was like it Eat said. before Partage? For some reason, I thought Partage was first, but you're probably right. No, Eat was It's long, been a little long, while. Well, I spoke with them. We became friends, you mm-hmm. know, and these guys are, are just overachievers and on every level the food is elegant and delicious now it's only tasting menus which is interesting there's no more a la carte you go in there you just tell them how many how many courses you want you want to do wine you want to do the upgraded wine we went for the whole schmear you know and it was just we went out with friends that you know wanted to pick up the tab and that's what yeah. they wanted so i'm like okay caviar sounds good to me bring on the caviar OPM. <laughs> you know and all, and all and both of the owners came by to say hello and it was like old old town you know, old you know because i hadn't been there in a while so it was it and these was are those beautiful dishes i mean especially if you're like like if you're one of these people dick like me who takes pictures of every dish um oh, i do you know you're going to i mean this these are dishes that are just stunning to look at and yep. they but they take they're, they're created with the attention to detail again of the French fine dining Michelin starred restaurants, you know, man, and they're it's it, it's just so fucking unreal that you can get it at those prices There's, that they, close to the strip. What there is is a surprise. They're surprised. They're over delivering. Under they're, they're basically they're under promising and over delivering on every single level. I mean, even the people that work there, you can just look around. You know, these people are well trained. Mm-hmm. They know what they're doing. They're getting there. Okay, and so they come in and you got immediate service. You sit down. We was an early reservation, but the whole we stayed there the whole night. Didn't matter. We wanted more, more. Yeah. We wanted to end, you know. Yeah. We ended up going to Golden Tiki. It was too. I was going to say that's what you do afterwards, yeah, right? But, Go down but, to the yeah, tiki. You know, I just, I, just, I don't know. I went to the Golden Tiki. I had no love, no feeling, nothing. I walked out. Really? Yeah, no, that's yeah, a that, drag. That is a drag. But that's because I'm not there that often. I guess I'm not cool enough. Whatever. Uh, we're not, you know what? We're not cool anymore, Rick. But um, <laughs> when we were cool, we were fucking cooler than most Back people will day. ever be, man. <laughs> I look at these kids that think they're cool today, and I'm like, yeah, you're cooler than me today, but you're not nearly as cool as I was when I was fucking cool. <laughs> that's the way I feel, actually. <laughs> Uh, where else have you been dining, man? Um, went to Chino Poblano, another one of my, uh, a, a new, actually, kind of discovered it this uh, this past year, 2022. Ten years in, yeah. you just discovered it? <laughs> well, not just discovered it, but started to find out its uh, its beauty. It's, it's, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I discovered their birra taco, birra taco, mm-hmm. which just blows my mind. I crave it now. You know, I want to go back there. And the beauty of it is the, the girl that is one of the managers, I believe she's the bar manager, her name is Mahalia beautiful Hawaiian girl that used to work for me and she is just super professional super knowledgeable she's the epitome of, of, of hospitality and of course when I go there and she's there I get treated very very well so I love that Chino Poblano of course in the Cosmopolitan it's a Jose Andres restaurant for anybody who may not have been there it's his most affordable restaurant his most casual restaurant in Las Vegas I would say mm-hmm. but um it is it shows off that Jose Andres genius yeah. and I mean from you know you do get the um the Spanish avant-garde, what other people call molecular gastronomy, he hates that term. But you get yep. some of those touches in the the beverage program, like the um, this the salt water air that he puts on his margaritas, right. that foam. Um, but what the restaurant is really all about is combining the cuisines of Ch- Chinese and of and Mexican. That's right, right. And this is actually Chef Andreas has told me a few times he's really trying to tell this historical story of the Manila galleons, which there was a a king of Spain who sent galleons from Mexico 
to the Philippines. Uh. And so they would bring Mexican supplies, things that they stocked up on, to sell in the Philippines. Right. And in the Philippines, they would meet with Chinese traders and they would bring Chinese spices back and Asian spices back to Mexico. Interesting. So that was Chef Andreas's inspiration for that particular restaurant, hmm. was telling that historical story. That's awesome. And that's there's not a lot of fusion. There's very little real fusion on the menu. What it is is some serious-ass Mexican food Food yep. and some serious ass Asian Agreed. Foods, you want some noodles? Know? Go there. They're great noodles as well. But I focus on the Mexican because I'm working on a Mexican concept for the company I work with, and it's most interesting. And, and, when, I, and when I bring up the birra taco, it's enough. You know, it's just rich. It's delicious. It's cheesy. It's got a dipping sauce they call a consomme. Mm, yeah, and I know. All the drippings yeah. of when it's braising for hours. It's just they do so, it with goat there. I hope. I believe they do. Okay. I, they mix it. I don't think it's just straight goat though. Okay. It's just a. Uh, oh. Let them tell you. Go. Go. Have one. They're yes, unbelievable. We love them. We love China Poblana. Any place else or could, um, where I've been? You got uh, more? You look like you got a lot more on your oh, list. Where well, else you been, man? I, I went to the opening of Villa Azur, I think, uh, since we've spoken last. Yeah, yeah. I didn't make it to that night. That's when I still didn't know what the hell was wrong with me. Well, you had a lot now. of issues going on. Well, I can tell you that it was a beautiful opening. It was just an opening night, not to be judged, mm -hmm. you know, because it was a little bit uh, harried. A lot of things going on. The chef I know very well, and I have a lot of confidence that the things are going to be unbelievable down the road. But it was just very loud. The music seemed to be ill um, chosen. You know, mm -hmm. I, I didn't know where I was. It was just kind of like, ooh. Well, just, the, the owner had said to me prior to that opening, because I was speaking to him, that they wanted to have the press in for the full experience. So I was warned that was going to be a long night. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it was a long night when you were there. No, but, I didn't stick around. Okay, because they were going to really roll out a lot of the entertainment that's on the thing. And I know they're going to have like everything. I mean, he was saying everything from like magicians to musicians and all kinds of crazy yeah. shit. So do you get to see any of that entertainment? Unfortunately, I did see some activities that are going on, people parading back and forth, a lot of singers going on during the dinner but it was at a, at a level okay because maybe i'm getting old i am mm -hmm. i mean we're all getting older so i mean you used to go to sdk you know go there you go there early and fit, sit down there you say hi to the chef and everybody because mm -hmm. you know hop you know mr hopcraft is amazing yeah we love Steve. and you know but but then the music ramps up so as you're getting a buzz and you're going through it the music getting louder was was embracing mm -hmm. but it, it but the, the light was a little bit too bright for me and these are all fixable things guys right, just right. so you know I'm not I am certainly not trashing this place I'm going to go I can't wait to go back mm -hmm. give them some time to lubricate the gears and get it to get the way that, that they feel they want to present their experience right. and an experience it is but it wasn't uh, well rehearsed or orchestrated yeah. at the night of the opening and duh and look we uh, were both at Mayfair Supper Club the opening week probably sure. like right before covid yeah. And uh, there were some things that were not working there. But mm -hmm. if you go back there now, yep. you know, it's they're crushing oh, it, on, firing on all cylinders. Went, went there, you too, know? for drinks when we went over the, <laughs> went over to see the fountains. My, my in-laws are in town, so you go to the fountains. Where are we going to get a drink, you know? Watch mm -hmm. a couple people having a big a brawl out by the, you know, the, the, the foliage. What do you call that area? Oh, the conservatory, The conservatory. Yeah. Sue's we, happy place. There, she loves it there. We didn't even make it in there because it was too busy. And we walked over to uh, the supper club. Found a beautiful seat at the bar, had great drinks. The bartender was very engaging, was very excited about lighting a piece of rosemary for mm -hmm. me to make, as if, like, you know, he doesn't know who I am. Right. So right. he's lighting a piece of rosemary, going, ha, ha. Here I am. Wow. Like I'm supposed to stand up and applaud and scream. I'm like, yeah, you, you burnt a piece of rosemary. <laughs> I just included them in a video that I did on cocktails, cool cocktails on the strip. I did it for the LVCVA. Yeah. And we opened it in there with their, because um, they do that champagne cocktail, real classic champagne cocktail, but it's with cotton candy rimming the rim, right? So right. just make it a little more fun, which is probably one of the more mellow things they did in there. But I thought it would work for the video. And I did three other cocktails, um, one of Marina Mercer Borini's. But anyway, I'm bringing this up because it got 4.5 million fucking views on Instagram what? alone, man. Oh, that's yeah. incredible. So, yeah. Well, so, they're doing something uh, different. And I poked my head into the room. And I saw the entertainment briefly. And I, I really want to go back there with my wife and, and take on the whole experience. Yeah. Well, look, if you think about doing it, let me know. Like, I'd, I would like to go back probably not in the next couple of weeks, but maybe into February or March, um, I'd love to go and do the whole thing. Check out the whole experience at Mayfair because it's pretty awesome. <laughs> well, I'm on my New Year's Eve clean out, you know, a couple of weeks. How you do that? So yeah. Okay. I mean, going to Edo tonight, but uh, EDO. EDO cannot not go. Yeah. We love EDO and um, I'll get to, I went over to Anima again. So let us know hopefully next week or next time I see you, you'll tell me how EDO was. Mm -hmm.
Um, I've got some restaurants to talk about, which I haven't for a few weeks, so I'm excited about that. I've been feeling a lot better over the last couple of weeks. Not done with my medical bullshit, but you know, feeling well enough to go out and venture into some great restaurants. Um, my appetite is back, right? That's how you know you're fucking healthy. I had a great New Year's Eve meal at Cassie Beach House with thrillist um, Rob Cashel-Reese, his wife Mary, and her parents. I want to say big thanks to everybody for the invitation, getting me back in the game for the holiday. I mean, just being with friends and people that, I, that I'm close with, that was great for my Christmas Eve. Uh, but big thanks to Cassie for an amazing meal. I really love this restaurant. It's in the old... Look, the fact that anybody can be in Carrie Simon's old space from the Hard Rock and mm-hmm. I don't get mad at them for being there is a testament <laughs> to how good the restaurant is. But um, I, because obviously that space is near and dear to my heart. Sure. But, um, you know, we had some of our old favorites from the appetizer section. I love the meze plate, which is great. That pick, puffy um, oven roasted puccia bread mm-hmm. that's served with whip, whipped eggplant, white bean dip with a spicy salsa rosa, mm-hmm. and also some whipped regatta with honey. You know, dipping all that shit in. It's so oh, much fucking fun. I love the dips. Yeah, those, those are great if you're going to a Mediterranean restaurant. Um, some marinated olives. We did the grilled octopus. That's almost like a salad. It's got hearts of palm, tangerine, celery, red onions, olives, caper vinaigrette. Right? Um, how, you know, bi- how big is this meze plate? A, no, 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 no. I'm sorry. The meze plate was just those three dips, oh, the dips. and the got bread. It. I'm just going through a some other things that I had sorry, for the appetizers. See that? Everybody wanted to know. Thank yeah. you. Good thing you asked, man. <laughs> Never a stupid question. It's usually me being stupid with what I'm saying. Um, okay, moving on to mains. A couple of us had pastas. Man, I have to say, I, I really enjoyed... This squid ink Jamelli pasta with Dungeness crab and this, this light tomato butter, lemon and chili. Oh, Personally, I felt me. like it could have used just a pinch of kosher salt to sort of open up those flavors just a tiny bit. Yeah. But all my friends disagreed. They told me um, all the flavors were well represented when they were taking <laughs> bites. So maybe something off with my taste buds. I don't know. But all, all of us loved it, right? I mean, we're talking, I'm literally arguing over whether it needed two grains of salt to be perfect. I love right? squid ink, so, man. Everybody's smiling with black teeth. Was it that? Was it that? Black and um, I didn't rich. check actually, but probably yeah. <laughs> no, I wiped my mouth, and there was definitely yeah, a little bit of squid ink. Um, yeah, I love the salinity that you know that brings. It really does taste of a little, just a little more of the ocean, you know, especially with the seafood dish. Crab meat, lemon, and oh my yeah. god, killing it was me. so fucking good. Mm-hmm. Um, so I highly recommend it. Sue had an truly outstanding piece of bronzino um, roasted with fennel, confit fingerling potatoes, olives, roasted cherry tomatoes, and a rosé wine sauce. I mean, just... You get a piece of fish and it's just so fucking beautiful, you know. Yeah, and I know, man. That's the way I want to eat all the time. Yeah, and it was probably the way I should be eating with gallbladder issues, like very <laughs> light, you know, kind of Mediterranean diet. Uh, a few days later, Sue was craving teppanyaki, so we decided to try Oja. Yeah. I had never tried this place before, um, before it actually was on the first Neon Feast survey, and it landed a ton of recommendations. So it made it to the app. They've got seven locations throughout the valley, so you know I started going in. Um, look, they are ridiculously affordable compared to the big boys for teppanyaki on the Strip, or even a Benihana. I mean, seriously, like a three entree combo was like $39 with a few things you couldn't get, but most of it you could get. The single entrees were like $23 to $34 or something like that. Um, Then even children's plates dishes that were less than that, but they could do a teppanyaki experience. Um, so look, the preparation isn't as subtle or refined as you're going to find at a Morimoto level. Um, it's not the, this is teppanyaki the way I grew up eating teppanyaki. It's not the, the, the Japanese light, you know, pure, the, that the ingredients speak for themselves. This is, you know, the, the garlic sauces are heavy. The things are heavy, but it's fucking good. It's fun. It's a cool neighborhood joint. It has outposted nearly every neighborhood. And honestly, it's a price range that allows families to bring their kids, which, you know, teppanyaki is wasted if there's not a child to enjoy the uh, right. onion volcano at your table, right, man? So <laughs> Well, it's dinner and a show. Yeah, know, it, it is. And it's affordable. So, look, you know, I mean, honestly, I would... You can't put it in the same category as going to Morimoto or going to Nobu no. for teppanyaki. But snobs. for a neighborhood place, it's a lot of fun, and I highly recommend it. Hey, hey. Um, I also, I was honored to attend um, my friend Leanne and John's anniversary party at Vegas Test Kitchen. Everybody was cooking from the Test Kitchen, and as you'd expect, the food was amazing. Sure. Um, I paid a visit to Ada's Wine Bar in Tivoli Village. Love that place. Damn. This is so fucking good. Everyone knows it's one of my favorite restaurants in Las Vegas. So, of it's course, I ordered be. some of the usual favorites, the Harissa Olives, the Gambas Aio, all that stuff that I love and I have every time. But I also tried some new dishes. And, of course, they sent out some dishes that I would never have ordered. 
Um, and even those were superb. I'll get to that. But there was a scallop ceviche in coconut milk mm. that I ordered, which just had a ton of Thai flavors in there. Kaffir yeah. lime, lemongrass, Thai chili. Yeah. It was really cool spin on ceviche. Refreshing. Um, yeah, very refreshing. Very cool. I loved that. Um, that was served with house-made potato chips, so that was a lot of fun. Uh, we had a fabulous roasted pear dish served over whipped regatta and some crispy prosciutto to add a little bit of salt okay. to that, which okay. was that. really fucking good. And then despite my hatred of carrots, and everybody knows they're my, my second most hated ingredient, I don't like sweet root vegetables in general. I don't like the way that the natural sugar and the natural earthiness work off of each other. I don't eat sweet potatoes generally. I don't eat, um, yeah, I mean, just, you know, beets are my least favorite ingredient in the world, okay. and I don't like carrots. But they brought us out these charred carrots with harissa yogurt and coriander honey. And I've got to say, this this dish leans so heavily into the sweet that I don't usually like. Right. Actually, it played it up, turned it in, turned the carrot dish into a sweet dish. Yep. Um, and it sort of figured out a way with all the other ingredients to downplay that earthiness that I don't enjoy with the gotcha. sweetness. It was fucking, it was a good carrot dish. I'm not going to say I would order it on my own, but if somebody else ordered it, I, I ate a full serving of it. And it I was really it. good. I have a problem with carrots too. No, I love all the other root vegetables. I love sweet potatoes. I love anything from under the ground. Beets, forget it, man. I can like bathe in beets. So I'm purple for the <laughs> no, rest of my I can't life. do beets. I man. love beets. Forget it. But back to the carrot. Carrots, the flavor of a really good carrot is so hard to extract and present to someone. It really truly is. I mean, I've tried so many times in my career carrot soups at Le Cirque. And we used to do carrot puree all the time at Le Cote Basque to be one of the pretty colors. But it never really is super exciting to eat. So to hear that, I can't wait to go because Definitely try uh, it. it's it's one of my own challenges in life. There's certain things. <laughs> arancinis. Give me an arancini that I want to scream about. <laughs> I hate them. I hate them. Forget it. Don't give me no rice <laughs> ball from yesterday. I don't care what you put in the middle. So that's the way you feel about carrots. Yes. I get it. I can't wait to try it. Cool. Um, and you know what I love about Ada's and also about the next restaurant I'm going to talk about? And I said this on social media. These places are smart. Like really smart. They mm -hmm. think about their dishes. They're creative and they are not and they're not afraid to challenge a customer to step outside his comfort zone. There you go. To say, I don't usually like this dish, but you guys are so fucking good, I'm gonna try it. And mm -hmm. let's see. Let's see if you can take me on the ride. And if somebody is smart and if they're creative and they can do that, even if I don't like the dish. I'm still going to be glad I ordered it because I know they're going to take me on a journey. Yep. But more times than not, at both Ada's and the next restaurant I'm going to talk about, Anima by EDO, mm. they challenge me to take a journey, yep. and I don't think I'm going to like it. Most of the time, I love the dish. And even when I don't love the dish, I love the journey right. that they took me on. So I, I, I dig less restaurants like that. So as I was saying, um, I... Anima by EDO I went back in there I know you're going to EDO tonight but of course lately and the original is great it's pure Spanish Anima is over in the original is in um, Chinatown basically it's right. on um, uh, uh, Jones just off of Spring Mountain Road that's yep, close uh, yeah so uh, but Anima by EDO is over in the Gramercy it's won every fucking award it could win in um, December I know Desert Companion gave it an award, a year-end award. I know Eater gave it a year-end award. It's an amazing restaurant. I've been loving it since the day it opened its doors last January. Um, and we went, I was asked by the LVCVA for these videos to do one that focused on off-strip restaurants. Right. So um, I was thrilled to do that because, you know, look, they get their money from the casinos. They usually like to focus on casino stuff. That's fine. And I'm happy to highlight casino restaurants for them. But when they tell me I can go all off-strip, yeah, you know, I was having a good is. video. Yeah. So we did three spots. I would have liked to have done four or five, but, you know, we it was the holidays. Getting into restaurants was a pain in the restaurant's ass. So we shot at Anima. That's where I actually did my opening spot. And I was, I, all I got to eat was the croquettes and but oh, all the other good. dishes were around me and they're shooting them and they're getting their beauty shots so <laughs> i was craving the food so much that i said to sue man you know i'm back in the game let's go out to anima uh, we sat at the bar we did some dishes of course we mixed some of our favorites in there i did that egg eggplant parm which you've heard me talk about a million times the bikini which is the world's t uh, thinnest sandwich on the planet the caviar eggs they're all great but um, we also mixed some new dishes in. And, of course, the chef sent out some other things as well, besides what we ordered, because that's how we roll. <laughs> I did another scallop ceviche, very different than the one that um, I had done over at uh, Ada's. Yeah. This one was topped with these thin slices of brown butter. 
and it was just unreal, like Wait, really thin, wild. And so, thin slices of Yeah, of the sweetened butter. butter. And they, they, they sliced the butter off and it kind of curled oh, up okay, and they yeah. still put it on top, right? And awesome. it was this sweetened brown butter and just so fucking good. Um, very different than the one, again, with the, than the Thai one that I had had just a couple of days earlier. Yeah. <laughs> I um, Sue wanted to try the Faro and Herakar Ver, or green beans, if right. you will. Yeah. So, um, that, this was a cold dish. She actually would have liked it better hot. I thought it was great cold. But these little dabs of buttermilk ricotta on it with green apple and almonds. It was fantastic. Uh, we did these thin slices of 30-day dry-aged strip loin carpaccio, which were served over these puffs of puree bread. <laughs> and those were stuffed with um, payayo cheese. It's a um, Spanish cheese, but it was an espuma of the cheese. Okay, so like a cheese foam. foam. Right. And that was drizzled with the truffle vinaigrette. So, Hello. you know, like I say, man, these are just these are places that you may look at the menu and you're going, what the fuck is that? Yeah. That sounds crazy. Yep. Just don't, man. Just order. Let them take you on it's a so fucking creative. journey and enjoy the ride. Yeah, one out of 50 might not be your favorite. Just do it. <laughs> yeah. So um, coming up, Gio Morrow tells us about his next cooking workshops and a visit from Mr. Peanut. But first, a longtime Las Vegas writer is back on our town and he's zooming in to chat with Al this is Food and Loathing Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Here you are in Vegas, you're hungry, and the choices are endless. But do you really want to trust the crowd? You can trust Neon Feast. Restaurant recommendations from real food pros sharing where they send friends and family. All that knowledge is just a download away on the Neon Feast app. You want the strip, off strip, downtown, great views, great value? Find smart, informed restaurant recommendations on the Neon Feast app and neonfeast.com. So our next guest is something of a first for us on Food and Loathing, because as much as I love having other Las Vegas journalists on as guests or people who cover Las Vegas, particularly my former competitors, um, none of them have ever been anyone with whom I've ever had a public feud. Honestly, <laughs> um, I don't have public feuds. If I don't like you or don't respect you, I don't mention your name in public. And if I'm iffy on you, I just mention the nice shit and leave the things I hate to myself. But the man joining me now um, was a little different. I always liked him. I always respected him, and damn, did we get at each other in public, leading to some actual hard feelings and a few years of not speaking, but generally good-natured. Um, joining me now via Zoom from sunny California, I hope it's sunny there, is um, one of Casino.org's newest reporters, covering West Coast gaming and the great city of Las Vegas, the one and only Corey Levitan. Corey, I have an even longer intro prepared for you in a moment, but before I get into it, please say hi to everybody. Confirm that this is actually you here, man. This, uh, this would be me and i have not inhaled helium okay you just, what i sound like that's just your normal high um squeaky voice cool it's all that clean living now that you're out of vegas man. <laughs> um you look you, you anybody who's listening to this and a big any big vegas fan may recall Corey from his time at the las vegas review journal where his comedy column um fear and loafing documented his attempts to work at various local jobs usually with hilarious results or if you've been following my writing for a while, you may recall me calling him out in public many, <laughs> many times for always bitching that Las Vegas wasn't more like California. Uh, nothing pisses me off more than people who live in this amazing city and constantly bitch about how it's not as good as some other place they used to live. And that's honestly because I feel like everyone should live in a city where, that they love and leave the ones they don't love behind and make room here in Las Vegas. So I frequently told him that if he wanted California amenities, he should move his ass back to California and make room in our overcrowded valley for people who would appreciate it. And he finally did just that. So you can imagine my surprise when I saw him writing on the casino.org website covering the happenings here in Las Vegas. What the actual fuck, I said to myself. <laughs> self. 
Is this the same Corey? Had he been abducted by space aliens and replaced by a pod who loves Las Vegas? Uh, I couldn't reach out to confirm because we were no longer on social media speaking terms following <laughs> some stupid online bullshit argument. Uh, but I was very confused. And then a few weeks ago, Corey reached out to say hi and inquire about how I was feeling since his wife had told him I had a little health scare and he's a class act. Um, so I was super excited to reconnect and to find out what's going on with his writing and with him personally. So rather than us catching up privately, I mean, this is the first conversation we are having in probably five or six years. Um, And I decided to have him on the podcast to bring us all up to date. So, Corey, I'm sure you have your own side of the story that I said that I'd like to tell. But uh, please tell everybody what I got wrong, what I got right. No, I I don't. You were completely right. And I was completely wrong. (laughs) I I had a lot of work to do on myself. Uh, You know, I was cut down from the RJ and uh, basically from journalism for a long time. Uh, at the height of my popularity. So it was a, a tremendous blow, not only to my ego, but also to our financial situation. And uh, I had to reinvent myself uh, when I, I couldn't get uh, it, it, I couldn't get hired uh, for uh, a job at uh, seven where you worked or uh, was you worked at seven, right? I was at seven for a while. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I, I couldn't get hired by the, the Vegas Weekly. And I ended up, uh, for, for a living, I ended up writing science grants for, for UNLV, which was, it was, it was cool. I liked science, uh, but I, I felt like uh, that wasn't where uh, I was destined to be. Um, and and I, was, <laughs> I was constantly um, spatting with you at the time because I was taking out my frustrations on Las Vegas. And uh, it, to me, it seemed like a, an ex-girlfriend who not only broke up with me, but was trying to ruin my life. Uh, but uh, it, through a lot of therapy, I've realized that it, it wasn't Las Vegas that I was ever upset at. It was uh, it was journalism. So I can relate to that being mad at the state of journalism, which is sort of why I'm not in it officially anymore. Um, you know, it's it's a it's a rough game um, and it's changed a lot, man, since you and I were doing it, um, you know, 20 years ago and you know it's it's become a lot more cutthroat it's a lot harder to to find gigs that you love and where you know you can make a living man which is why it's so strange that this thing just came to me um i i had accepted the universe's lesson for what was it 15 years that i've learned this already that uh, i i wasn't ever going to have uh make a living from doing what I love, which is writing and being funny. Uh, and that wasn't ever going to pay my bills again. So I needed to find something else. So I tried other things. I mean, I did grant writing. I, I did politics. Uh, my uh, candidate for mayor of San Diego lost. Uh, then I tried uh, PR writing for UCSD Health, uh, which was a great gig, but it ended. And uh, I I tried making uh, making a go of it at the Union Tribune in San Diego, and I failed at that because uh, they don't have a feature section. They haven't had one for like ten years, so they uh, the only thing that I qualified for was their community paper, the La Jolla Light. And um, once I started doing that, I was like, "Oh, man, they'll see I they'll they'll see they have Ted Williams in their minor leagues and pull me up, no problem." <laughs> well, what happened? was uh, they they saw they had Ted Williams in the minor leagues and then they realized we only have to pay Ted Williams $40,000 a year and we could take 50 of his stories for free why are we <laughs> going to pay him 80 grand <laughs> yeah yeah that's uh yeah i know plenty of people uh, plenty of um publications and how they operate man but um so you are in california now though right you moved to california how long ago because you talk about the california papers you were writing for um you you did finally relocate your family back to california and are you at least enjoying california i hitched my wagon to my wife i i had nothing to do with this my wife got a got a decent job offer uh doing marketing for a fertility agency she she's the one that's that's driving this train um yeah no i i mean i you know you know my personality people who've read my column know my personality i'm not a happy person anywhere but uh this is uh, this is a great situation we're a mile from the beach the weather is the same every day it's uh I, I, I love it. I, 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 let's put it this way. I have other things to focus on uh, frustration. 
<laughs> Frustration's <laughs> yeah. coming from other places, not not from where I live. <laughs> not from your job and your surroundings. Well, that's good. Uh, how'd you start? So, with- so, so, so what happened was uh, this this person, this contact that I used to have. He, he doesn't want me mentioning his name because, he, uh, well, anyway, he he uh, he reached out from from LA from my time in LA and said, uh, "Oh, I, it was." Uh, it was a, a Facebook post that I had done uh, t- a year and a half ago, where I had completely lost control of this uh, of this art class I was substitute teaching. They were like freaking painting. They were like uh, tagging the walls out. I couldn't stop them. There was nothing I could do. I was calling them. I was calling the principal. Nobody would help me. Was this and, your story, or this is just your regular? No, life? this was just oh. me doing substitute teaching. It was, uh, was okay. two hundred fifty dollars a day, and it was, but uh, they were. Uh, it was it was everything that you know, you see in a in a in a movie in a comedy about uh, substitute teachers losing control of a class. <laughs> so I decided to take pictures of it and post it on Facebook. So this guy I haven't heard from in many years uh, from LA said, "Corey, what are you doing? Why don't you come work for us? I I work for this uh, for this uh, website called Casito.org, and uh, we're looking for somebody to cover Las Vegas. I think that would be you." And I'm like. This this makes this makes no sense. I mean, the universe just taught me for the past fifteen years that I I, I can't a- ever do what I love and make a living at it, and that I have to be a substitute teacher. This makes no sense. <laughs> well, I mean, what were your thoughts about covering Las Vegas at that point? Were you well, um, were uh, luckily, you hip to the idea, or were you had, still I had, hating I had on Vegas? I worked through enough therapy, and I realized what was. Uh, what was wrong with my thinking? And I realized that I was never angry at Las Vegas. We went back a couple of times and I had a ball every time I went, just like I used to when I visited from LA. And uh, I, you know, it wasn't just you. I lost a lot of really close relationships and I regret it. Um, Doug Elfman, who was one of my closest friends, he won't talk to me. I mean, we saw each other at a party over Halloween and he was very distant. Norm Clark, uh, also, uh, uh, Scott Robin almost, uh, almost, but now I work with him, you know, I, I had this talk with him. So he kind of understands where I was coming from, uh, that it wasn't Vegas. I hated at all. It was ha- having no control over where my ship was going and having done everything right, dude, I did everything right at the RJ. I was the most popular person week after week on their website. I brought video to them. They didn't do video before my column. Man. Yeah, uh, dude, I I feel you. And and so many, if everybody, I think anybody who's a journalist can relate to that, though, because, you know, they're all seeing we're all seeing the opportunities dwindle down. Um, we're seeing, you know, more people competing for the same gigs we're seeing. And that's why, you know, I try to do everything I do here in a spirit of cooperation rather than competition, because we've got to lift each other up. I mean, we just have to because we need more coverage of this city. We need more. I mean, for me, mostly about the restaurants. But in general, we need more yeah. great people writing about Las Vegas who do understand this town and hopefully who like it. So I'm glad to hear you like it. Casino, yeah. Casino.org is a really interesting group, though, because, I mean, you talked about Scott Robin being over there, which is very cool. I know he's Vital Vegas is now being published over there. But also my friend Mitch Schneider is writing for them. Yeah, too, I've known. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, Mitch, one of the great music publicists of all time, and he moved to Vegas during the pandemic, and he's um, he's been exploring the city and writing about it. So could you talk a bit about Casino.org, what the, what the vibe is over there, what the beat is over there, who your audience is, and what kind of stories you're writing? Well, my audience is people who are on there to learn about casinos. We're the largest casino news website um, in the world, I'm told, and... Uh, they um they're based uh, offshore and and i think in malta <laughs> i don't know where malta is on the map um but they've got it they've got an incredible uh they've got an incredible lineup of writers i i couldn't believe it. i mean these are my friends you know scott and uh a copy editor i know and they're they're all there and they're all doing incredible work um i they well, the thing is, is that the the staff of writers that they have now are mostly sports betting experts. That is not my wheelhouse. <laughs> right. Right. So the editor said, uh, "Well, we need somebody to cover Vegas. The other things that happened in Vegas, like you know, when something happens with Taylor Swift, Adele, that kind of stuff. Um, we need somebody to to going to read a press release and say." 
oh, no, 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 this is what they want us to print. This is not the actual story. <laughs> right, right. So, so instead of reprinting press releases like they were doing, they have me to kind of know when they're lying. And they lie yeah. a lot. <laughs> yeah, or they don't tell you the interesting part of the story. Let's put it that way. The part we want to know. Um, man, you seem to be putting out a couple stories a day. Um, in just the past few weeks, though, you say you're not writing about sports betting. Um, but, you know, if they are primarily, casino.org is primarily about people who are interested in gambling in the casino industry, et cetera, they are having you dig a lot deeper into the things that make Las Vegas cool and fun. I mean, well, they're, they're actually giving me free reign. And um, it's the most amazing gig I had since the beginning of my RJ days, where uh, basically I used, to, I used to pitch to the editor, you know, I'd, I'd like to do this column where I tackle myths of las vegas yeah i saw that's that was one i was about to bring up she's like yeah yeah why don't you do that so you did one on where the bodies are buried or are they actually buried and uncovering that myth of las vegas that's a recent column um you've done it you did um seven places where you can still experience classic vegas for foodies they'll be happy to know the golden steer was on there um you talked about you toured apparently so i guess you were here in vegas to tour the new punk rock museum that's under construction or was that done via zoom (laughs) well i i came i i came to vegas uh during over halloween to go to our mutual friend michael quine's halloween party his last one and uh i was hoping to expense my trip it was about fifteen hundred dollars to to the website i was i had all these great (laughs) things lined up a few of them were tentative um and they just started canceling on me one after another and I realized, oh, <laughs> maybe I maybe this isn't a, a job that I need to boots on the ground for. I mean, especially since even when you're in Las Vegas, as I'm told, you you do a lot of your uh, interviews by Zoom now anyway. Um, so uh, I'm like, uh, well, yeah. Um, so did you actually see that? I was curious if you actually got to go into the Punk Rock Museum because oh, you were yeah. describing Erica the construction. Pope, Erica Pope, who, who does uh, publicity on that. Now, um, my, my name, people still know my name. Like, the, uh, uh, like I'd say about 75% of the publicists are still there from 15 years ago. And they yeah. still, you know, they'll take my calls. It's just that, you know, since I'm not writing for the main paper or Vanity Fair or whatever, you know, they're not necessarily going to honor what I'm asking them. But there are some who really, really liked dealing with me, and Erica Pope is one of them. And and so uh, when uh, when the Punk Rock Museum announced itself, you know, I, I did like everybody else and, and you know, copied the press release, tried to get my own angles in there. Uh, I was a friend of Billy, uh, Billy, Hilly, Hilly Crystals. Uh, yeah, well, Hilly was a good, good friend of mine as well. I know, so yes. I know. Yeah. I don't know if we've ever talked about this, but I did what I believed, I believe is the last interview with him in August 2007 when he was planning to move. And we're talking uh, about Hilly Crystal from CBGB, by yeah, the way, sorry. New York C- The owner of CBGB lost his lease. Uh, at the same time, he had cancer. I forgot what kind. And, yeah. um, and he was trying to he, I, his friends didn't know it at the time he was he was trying to move it to the miracle mile which was then the desert passage so i did this big interview with him and then then he ended up dying like a month later um so uh anyway um so you know punk rock is where we're going with the well, punk rock museum <laughs> it was part of my it was part of growing up in new york you know that you grew up in new york too so uh so i did my i did my thing on that story but i i really wanted to uh, see what they had and they weren't open yet they weren't allowing anybody in because it was a construction site but erica erica who's uh, who was a really big fan when she was at the lvcva she's like you know what we'll make something happen so they brought in some artifacts for me they made me sign some forms i had to put on a hat i walked through <laughs> put on the hard so, hat yeah <laughs> and it was like wow this is awesome. It was really the only place. Oh, that and Area 15 were the only two places that gave me the VIP treatment. The other things that I lined up canceled on me and in a way that I can't prove that, you know, they were lying, but I know they were lying. Okay. Uh, still bitter. Still bitter. I love it. Man. No, I'm not. It's, it's fine. It's not. It's, it's nothing against me. It's the right. fact that I, I write for a website. Websites don't command because uh, PR is still a little... I mean, 10 years, 15 years behind the times, websites don't, don't command the kind of respect that 
that print newspapers who are read by far fewer people yeah. now uh, still respect. So what let me ask you, what kind of stories resonate with your editors over at Casino.org? What what Vegas stories? And I'm asking this because I think when we live inside this fishbowl that is Las Vegas, we think we know what the Vegas stories are. But of course, the vast majority of Las Vegas stories are being written for tourists. They're being written for people out of town. And I'll be the first to admit that, you know, I, I like to try to think I have my finger on the pulse of what Las Vegas is talking about in Las Vegas. But I don't necessarily know what, you know, maybe the East Coast is talking about, what stories resonate with them. What kind of stories are your bosses interested in? Vegas has always been such a unique place. You know that. I mean, it's not just a place. It's a state of mind. It's a it's a thing that people think about all year long when they don't even live here. Um you know that's that's why vegas.com got so popular uh and all the all the 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 rj website was like most of the people who went to the rj website at least while i was there were were not residents of las vegas i mean it's just this place that people love so yeah i'm writing for tourists but i'm writing with institutional knowledge now i don't have you know your kind of knowledge of what's been going on there for the past 11 years but i I did a lot of in-depth stories at the RJ, and I still have all those notes. So I could resurrect a lot of them and just fill in the details of what's happened over the past 11 years. Those stories are still there. I mean, that <laughs> the, the mob tour that you take of mm -hmm. – uh, I'm tooting my own horn. I promised myself <laughs> I wouldn't do this. But the mob tour that you take of, of Vegas was based on the research that I did for an article called uh, the the mob map of Las Vegas, which ran in the RJ, and then uh, Dennis Griffin and um, the other guy, I forgot the mobster, Frank Collada. They're like, that, that's a good idea. Why don't we do a tour based on that map? And so they put my, my a link to my article on their website for the first couple of years. And I think maybe their lawyer convinced them that wasn't a great idea. <laughs> but, uh, you know, nothing that I ever that I wrote for the Review Journal because I was on staff there. Uh, I owned. I didn't own any of it because it was, uh, you know, I yeah, was work on for staff. Hire, they, yeah. they owned it. Right. So what kind of stories coming up, Corey, before we, we got to cut here? But um, I, I'm curious what you're excited about in Las Vegas right now, what people are going to be reading up from you really soon. Um, well, I, I, I love my myths column is the one that I'm really excited about <clears throat> most. And if you guys want to see it, just Google Vegas myths busted, plural myths, and you'll see it. You'll see them come up. They're, they've done really well for the site, and I'm really really proud of them and i'm looking into uh that that's this is this is actually a really controversial one um dorothy dandridge that story about how she dipped her toe in the uh frontier pool and mm. they drained the pool uh in in those horrible racist for people days. who don't know dorothy dandridge being an, an artist of color during the segregation days of las vegas yeah, and uh, so she dipped her pool, her, her toe in that pool, and they drained and cleaned it and refilled it uh, because that's a horrible. That was that appeared in a 1999 HBO miniseries starring Hall Halle Berry, but uh, Dorothy Dandridge never mentioned that once during her life, and she wrote an autobiography that was published in 1970 after her death. So, so you're covering that? Is that up now or is that coming? No, no, I'm doing that now. That's a myth. And now that's a dangerous one for me to cover because a lot of people will, will think I'm, I'll be stating that Vegas wasn't a racist place. It was totally racist. Vegas, my, my uh, thing going into that is Vegas is racist enough. It, it doesn't need, it was racist enough back in the 50s. It, it doesn't need any exaggerating. I right. mean, that, that um, and uh, I'm also looking into the, uh, the death of Wardo Gray on the opening night of the uh, of the Moulin Rouge. He was a jazz musician. He was found with a broken neck, uh, and the story was that he died of a heroin overdose. And his friend took him in a car and and, and dumped the body. And that's how its neck got broken. Uh, uh, you, your neck doesn't get broken from a from a a, 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 a a one foot and a half drop from a car. Anyway, so th th there's all kinds of really interesting things that I'm looking into. Uh, myths and there are stupid ones too. Like I had to do the, uh, you know, but I got into them. Like uh, 
you know, prostitution is legal. That, because yeah. I'm writing for, you know, a general audience about Las Vegas. Yeah. And people um, still think things like that. They still think yeah. prostitution is legal here. They don't understand why you have to go over the over the hump to perump to get the hump. And yeah, all right. that kind of stuff. Well, cool, man. Look, I'm thrilled to have you writing about Las Vegas again. I'm glad to be talking to you again. Um, I'm, thrilled, I hope that- I'm thrilled that both things as well. You have no idea. This makes no sense to me. Not, well, not 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 my rekindling <laughs> with you, but 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 my current situation. It's so it's so great. I, I can't believe it's happening. Well, congratulations. Tell everybody over at casino.org that we approve here at um, Food and Loathing and that we're happy that they brought you back. And um, next time you're in Vegas, especially if you're with your lovely wife, give us a yeah, call. You and, and let's Sue, get for together. sure. We are totally get, getting together. Okay, great. Well, thanks a lot, man. And I hope to see you soon. And best of luck with everything you're doing. Thanks, Al. It's time for the news. Hey, if you are a fan of Mr. Peanut, and really, who the fuck isn't? (laughs) This Saturday, January 7th, is your lucky day, because that's the day Mr. Peanut will be bringing his nutmobile. Yeah, they call it the nutmobile. (laughs) That's what I used to call my old um, make-out mobile in high school. (laughs) He'll be bringing his nutmobile to the... Yeah, I wish I was that popular in high school. Um, To the Neon Museum to hand out samples and swag and take some selfies with fans. The monocled mascot and his team will be outside the museum on McWilliams Avenue from 2 to 5 p.m. on Saturday, January 7th. Parking is available next to the museum at Cashman Center. It's free to hang out with Mr. Peanut, but you will still have to pay an admission fee if you want to visit the museum. I got to say, not quite as cool as the Oscar Mayer Wienermobile, but... But still pretty cool. I think it's a close second, man. I'm pretty sure. You know, the guy with the monocle, Mr. Peanut, yeah. super cool. And I think the same people run the mobiles. Like when you apply for the job, if you want to be a Wienermobile person, you also have to be willing to drive the well, mo- nutmobile. You can do split shifts. Love it. Right. Um, our friend Gio Morrow will be hosting two more of his two-day cooking seminars next week. One's on Friday and Saturday evening, the 13th and 14th. The other is on Saturday and Sunday afternoon. Um, that would be the 14th and 15th. I spoke with Gio about it, and here's what he had to say. Yeah, the workshops. Um, I have this longing to pass on all the things that I learned growing up in Sicily and all the travels throughout Italy and everything I've learned throughout my whole life. It occurred to me one day at 50 that I can't possibly have enough restaurants to do all these recipes for everybody. Uh, so what I want to do is I want to pass these recipes on and teach people techniques that I know otherwise are kind of going to go to the wayside. And, and it's a big passion of mine in my later years or my mid-years, I should say. So explain to me what these particular classes are, these workshops that you're doing. So first of all, I want to celebrate coming together and cooking together and eating together. So it's a two-day workshop. Where the first day we do all the technical stuff and prepare for the second day where we all cook together, sit, tell stories, and drink lots of wine for those that want to drink, and explore these new recipes. So for example, the one the next class that we're doing, we're gonna explore the world of gnocchi. And everybody knows the classic potato gnocchi, but there's so many different kinds of gnocchis out there and we're gonna celebrate five of them. Now I'm gonna teach techniques on five of them so that kind of get people into the uh, world of there's all these possibilities. And what days are these on again? So the 13th and 14th is one class and then the 14th and 15th is another class. And how can people reserve a space? Come to the website, monzulv.com, M-O-N-Z-U-L-V.com. Rich, man, I got to say, I lo- Gio is one of those guys who, I mean, you know, he runs um, Monzu. You know, yeah. oven, Manzu Italian oven, which is fantastic. Formerly Pizzeria Manzu. Also, the old school pizzerias. He's got three locations here in Las Vegas. His family, a classic, you know, food family in this town. They ran Nora's. They still yeah. run Nora's. They still love it. Um, which is fantastic. And Manzu, where he's doing these cooking classes, um, and my favorite of his restaurants, where his wife gets up and sings, and sometimes he, she's a very talented musician oh, here in amazing. Vegas. She's a concert pianist, yeah. man. I've seen her play at their home, been to their house years ago when they were, when he was working at Nora's. Auras. you know and this is just before they put in the, the extension on their on their build their uh, business and it was bad timing and etc mm-hmm. but i mean everybody evolves and here he is now with monzu and he's terrific yeah. i mean in all of these recipes that he wants to share with people it's like hey i can appreciate it you know 
we've known each other from when I first got into town, and he's one of the su- the sweetest, most generous individuals. I mean, you can tell that he gives from his heart. Yeah, and he's one of these people. I mean, it's why I'm attract, why I enjoy hanging out with chefs like you and um, the chefs that chefs who are passionate about something and who just want to talk about their craft, right? Like you and I have just sat around. I mean, obviously sustainability are the first things that we ever spoke about, but we spoke about so many issues. And when you talk to Gio, he wants to just, he wants to tell you about little aspects of Italian food that he picked up when he was in Sicily that, you know, that he's, and he's just worried that who's he going to share this knowledge with. Right. And then he does these classes, which are, you know, just fantastic, man. You know, it's, um, you know, just he, he, I, I went to one, the second day of one, where the first day the, the whole class had been there and he taught them to make dough. Yeah. And then the next day we all got together and they were all drinking wine and they were all hanging out. And then he was making things with that dough. Yep. And now he's going to do the same thing with gnocchi. And man, he's just a guy who's so passionate, so passionate about the knowledge that he's that he's brought together over his career that he now wants to share with the community. I love it. That's exactly the mentality that I have. I mean, people, what do you want to do at the end of your career? I want to teach. I want, I want to share it. I want to give it away because I had some, I've been very fortunate in my career, been very driven. I deliver and all the great stuff in life, but you want to be able to perpetuate that so that it's not forgotten. And that's exactly where he's coming from. And I love him for it. Yeah, he's absolutely fantastic. So de- definitely check out these classes and follow them on social media so you get the first notice of those classes. And hey, um, timely, because I'm coming right from there. <laughs> As you may have heard, Randy's Donuts is now operating at Resorts World. The LA Landmark, which um, also, of course, has a Las Vegas outpost on Rainbow Boulevard, but they are offering their donuts 24-7 right next to the Sun's Out, Bun's Out counter. And they're actually sharing <laughs> the space with Suns Out Buns out there. Um, I dropped by there this morning and I spoke to Mark Kelligen and I'm going to play that conversation as Rick and I dig into this chocolate eclair that I brought him back from there. So we're going to cut this up while we listen to Mark. So Mark, um, can you tell me what made Randy's Donuts want to come into Las Vegas and specifically what made you want to come to the Strip and Resorts World? Oh, well, Las Vegas is just a natural extension of California. You know, it brings people from all over the world and all over the country in particular. And we just feel that's a great way for us to get our donuts out of Southern California and introduce it to a wider audience. Resort World is just the perfect partner for us. You know, they're independent, they think big, they're very, you know, splashy, and everything they do is first class. And so we're just really pleased to be partnered up with them. When you look around this hotel, you are not the only L.A. business that has found a home here. Um, I'm curious whether you spoke to any of the other L.A. business owners about coming into Resorts World and how you feel about being paired with some of the other great Los Angeles restaurants. Oh, I just think it's great to have the community of Los Angeles represented in Las Vegas since so many residents and so many travelers do come from Southern California. Um, we, you know, Again, being part of that community is very important to us. We know our place, we're in the dessert category, we try to be who we are, and we hope that works for everyone. So for those who have never been to LA, or maybe they've been to LA, they've only seen Randy's Donuts, they've never actually tried it, what should they expect? What makes your donuts different than what we're already eating out here in Vegas? You know, they're completely different, and for several reasons. Number one, we still do everything by hand, which puts us in a very small category of donut makers in the world, quite frankly. We have our own proprietary flour that makes, makes our donuts lighter, fluffier. Um, we use recipes that have been around for 70 years that other people can't copy. And all of that, plus a little bit of love we throw into every donut, really makes our donuts so special. They're unlike any donuts you find anywhere else. So do you do the whole crazy flavors thing? I just got here. I haven't had a chance to grab any. Um, what are some of the wilder things you may have on the menu? Well, you know, we have s'mores. We have a lot of combinations with M&M's, churros, things along those lines, red velvet, uh, breakfast cereals on top. But by and far, without a, without a question, our classics, our be- the donuts you grew up with, are still our number one with a bullet by far. Our glazed donut in particular, is so amazing. It is our number one donut, and we sell three times more than our number two donut, which is our very popular chocolate raised. It just goes to show the classics never go out of style, right? Never, never. Cool. Well, thanks so much. I'm going to go eat a donut or two. Thanks for having me to your event today, and congratulations. Thank you so much for having me.
Well, apparently I misspoke. We cut into this, and uh, by the way, thanks, Mark, for that interview. But we cut into this that I brought home, um, and this is not an eclair. There's no. What, what do we got going on here? It looks more like a pan of chocolate, like a, like almost like a brioche uh, that's coated in chocolate, mm. which is very cool. Yeah, it's good. You know, Americans want more chocolate anyway. A pan of chocolate's like a thin ass layer in the middle. It's almost teasing mm-hmm. the usual American wants this much. So it looks delicious. Let me see. Yeah, it's pretty good. It could use some cream in there. I wouldn't object, There's but no I'm not... Need, need some goo. Yeah. This is, of course, like the third donut I've had from Randy's today, and they've all been really good. Um, oh. But I, I do feel bad that I promised you an eclair, and I didn't bring one. That's just me being stupid. I didn't ask what I was picking up on my way out the door. But, hey, congrats to Randy's mm-hmm. and to everybody who is... Um, who is a fan of L.A. culture because there's there so is. much fucking L.A. <laughs> LA stuff going into Resorts World and every place else, man. That's true, true, true. But yeah. it's, uh, this is good quality. Yeah, it's good. It's, we're going to definitely, we're digging it, man. We'll eat this. <laughs> um, mm, thank you. And I think that is about it for this week. Big thanks to Corey Levitan and Gio Morrow and our friends from um, Randy's Donuts. Please tell a friend about Food and Loathing, which is available at the usual podcast places. Check Al's musings and postings at the major social media sites. Just search Food and Loathing, and you can reach us directly by email, info at foodandloathing.vegas. And hey, if you have not done it yet, I don't know why. I guess you just don't like listening to me. I guess you're mad at me, but come on. It's a new year. Download the Neon Feast app and use it to find your next dining destination. Whatever you need, whatever you want, you will find it on the Neon Feast app and at neonfeast.com. And we are updating it. We've been updating it for the past month. We've got all kinds of new stuff coming. There's going to be a new version out soon, but don't worry. Download the current version and then the new version. It'll just you download that again later. But um, we're having a lot of fun with Neon Feast, so definitely download it. Yeah. And if you want to see me on TV, you can catch me on Wake Up with the CW every other Wednesday around 8, 10 a.m. For you early risers. And catch Al all week long on the Neon Feast update on The Vibe 99.7 here in Las Vegas, 98.1 in the high desert, and 98.9 at the river and every Thursday morning around 8, 10 a.m. Uh, on the club at AM 670 KMZQ. With Rick Moonen and Rich Johnson behind the scenes, I'm Al Mancini. Stay hungry. Stay hungry.